thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world, sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the CX Chronicles podcast. Super excited for today's show. Ian Reynolds from ZipTech, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, guys... Um, Ian is going to have a really great story for us today. He he he's going to be talking about uh, his company ZibTech. They 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 do a ton of incredible work in the software development space. And you know when Ian and I were talking um, a couple of days ago, leading up to the show, there was a, a number of really great things that they're working on. Not just software development, but Ian, all the stuff that we we were talking about around the customer side of things, uh, customer experience, customer service, uh, customer support, all that. So. Uh, Ian, let's start it off like we start every show off. Why don't you take a couple minutes to tell the CX Nation a little bit about yourself um, and and tell them about how you became a customer-focused business leader? Sure. So my background is decidedly non-traditional. I read at college, jumped into a bunch of startups. I launched like something like eight different products to market across a bunch of verticals, you know, IT, uh, skincare, um, sort of uh, uh, loyalty and rewards, you know, you name it. And then got kind of bored of living under my desk. Uh, <laughs> ty- tired is uh, more appropriate than bored. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, went and did the MBA and then post-MBA jumped into a very traditional consulting role where I was helping very large, you know, Fortune 500 firms uh, build out large processes and deploy enterprise software for their companies and, and saw the sort of ins and outs and guts of that. Uh, and then ultimately transitioned to the finance side where I had the opportunity to do, you know, M&A restructuring advisory ass, uh, acquisitions and divestitures uh, did, you know, something like $20 billion worth of that. It would have been more uh, had I not um, moved on uh, sort of in the middle of a project. Sure. Uh, it was, it was an amicable parting because I had acquired uh, 50% of ZipTech and this was, uh, you know, several years ago. So um, ultimately wanted to get back to doing my own thing. So found found this company, acquired half of it, and we've been growing about 30% ever since. Wow, that's awesome. So so in terms of, so a couple of things. Number one, awesome background, just in terms of really kind of cutting your teeth in the world of business, understanding all the complexities that goes into driving a business, growing a business, building a business. I think, you know, the fact that you were able to kind of uh, post MBA, just get right into the consulting world, man, that's huge. Cause you get to see a lot of different things in a really short period of time, number one. And then I think the other thing is probably gave you a ton of ideas along the way for what you wanted to do with ZipTech. So can you tell us a little bit about how sort of you got um, put in a position to be able to even be able to, 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 to be a part of starting ZipTech? Yeah. So, uh, thankfully, so ZipTech actually has been around. Um, a quick background of the company: the company was founded uh, by my business partner um, about ten years ago now. More little going on, almost eleven. It was initially a company that was part of uh, sort of Zinch, which is a, a, a company that served about eight hundred different universities in the U.S. 
they grew that for five years and then sold it to Chegg. Okay. And then from, from Chegg, uh, they said, Hey, well, let's keep the band together, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. like, we like, like the music that we play and we've been <laughs> providing services for, for the last 10, 11 years. And so, um, you know, basically my involvement started, uh, three, almost three and a half years ago, uh, you know, with my acquisition of half of the company personally. And um, in terms of, in terms of like, you know, my knowledge as it relates to, uh, you know, building custom software and my ability to contribute, really it, it stems from that consulting background, right? Yep. You're, you're stepping into a situation for a client where they have a complex, complex problem. They've, they've typically never built a solution for this before. Their customer needs are unique and, they don't really know how to describe it and then build a process around it, build a team around it, uh, get to an execution date and then just kind of, you know, burn down that, uh, that goal, burn down that requirements list. And so, um, you know, those kind of, those kind of objectives in consulting are the same in software development. Yep. That's a great point. It's a great point. And and you're right. You're always looking for number one, you're, you're, you're just, you're getting into the weeds, you're understanding the issues, you're understanding the complexities of how it's built, how it's processed, how it needs to be delivered. And you're right. It's a very easy transferable way to, to kind of hop in from some of the things that you were doing in the consulting world into the software development. So that's awesome, man. So, well, let's, let's, let's keep talking about ZipTech. I'd love to jump right into the first of the four CX pillars. Let's get into team. Ian, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Zibdeck team? Give us a sense for how you guys are built, uh, how many folks are on the team, how you guys think about building your teams. Love to learn more about it. Sure. So the the entire company in terms of direct employees is a little bit more than 100 folks. And uh, we have we have an army of contractors that is about 50 folks. And these guys are highly specialized. We've been working with them since the inception of the company, right? So there's certain skill sets that they have that doesn't make sense for us to have in-house because we, we use them so infrequently. Yeah. But, you know, we do have that. So all total, you know, we're, we're a crew of about 150. Um, the, the team is structured mostly around engineering. We are extremely light on sales and marketing. Largely because we do uh, not just repeat and referral, but um, the the way we sort of market ourselves, the way we sort of sell ourselves, is not in the you know necessarily in the sort of traditional here's a case study way. Um, we're we're a little bit more uh, laser focused, and I don't want to give away the secret sauce on that. But the point is that we try to solve problems internally that are sort of operationally minded with folks who are engineers first, right? Um, and uh, we take basically an engineering approach to the problems of the business and uh, basically apply engineering time to otherwise sort of sales and marketing efforts. We, we have the entire set of team members that you would need to uh, basically ideate and uh, plan for a project. So that would be sort of your project managers, your scrum master, your uh, product owner types, uh, your designers, your UI UX folks, everything required to sort of get, uh, you know, pen on paper and understand what it's going to take to build a solution, what it's going to look like, how you're going to sort of process that out, and then what team members you're going to need to pull it off. Like, so we can we can do all that for you. That's awesome. Then yeah, and then um, you know, sort of we we typically spend you know for most client projects we're spending you know a couple of weeks. Uh, at least in the planning phase, um, we're, we're basically turning clients away that want to say like, Hey, I want to get started right away. I need something done yesterday. 
you know, we just we just can't do that work because if, if we don't know what we're building, uh, we're, we're going to get in trouble. And if you don't know what you're building, you're going to get us in trouble. So yeah, uh, yeah, so, yep. so we, we we're very careful about who we partner with uh, because effectively we'll look at our clients as partners. And then on the engineering side, uh, we're structured in a way where we can build autonomous sprint teams. Uh, so we, we're an agile shop. We internally say that we practice what's called practical agile, right? Because okay. Okay. Agile, agile is a methodology. It's, it's powerful. Um, it's iterative. It's great. But it also needs to be adaptive to the actual skill sets of the team members yep. uh, and not be so incredibly determined by process, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll create some flexibility in that sort of Kanban style uh, structure in terms of how we, we pair people. Typically, you know, we try to push all our engineers to be full stack, but the reality is that some people are just better on the front end. Some people are just better on the back end. Some people are just better at DevOps. Some better, people are just better at HTML, CSS, you know, like yep. basic, basic stuff. Yep. Um, so, so what we do is we, we're, we pair our uh, team members with uh, folks who have strengths that they don't uh, as best as possible. We actually do sort of weekly uh, detailed reports on each employee in terms of their performance around a relative skill set. And it's not like meant to degrade people or say like, oh, you're you know, two star on this or whatever. It's meant to say like, hey, you'd be best paired with this guy. Um, and, uh, you know, you can learn from each other. We could also move more quickly in this in this project. Um, so we we construct those teams. We pair them with a project manager. And then, uh, you know, we just kind of we kind of jump into it. I love that. I think that's awesome. And I think that there's a couple of things that you said that I that I want to follow up on. The first one is just really love the idea of what you were talking about as far as the collaborative piece, right? If you can, if you can, it's sorry to go straight to sports analogies, but if you can find a line or a handful of players that just get stuff done together, then why don't you keep going back to that line until as long as you're producing those positive results, it's number one. So I love that you're doing that. But the other thing that you mentioned was the feedback part. This is huge, man. This is, you know, this is one, this is one of those things that, you know, I think, a lot of the listeners on the show, they're thinking about how they can get their businesses ahead. They're thinking about what are the, what are the, some of the tricks that I can do to sort of really make sure that I'm doubling down on not only the customer experience, but the employee experience. And what you just said is huge, where if you're, if you're able to be able to provide your team with regular feedback, right. And obviously larger companies tend to be a little bit better with this, whether they've got their 360 reviews, maybe they got their quarterly reviews, maybe they do their annual review, whatever it is. I, I, I don't know. But but that's huge, right? Because whenever you're able to take a little bit of the performance-based assessment and then provide the type of feedback, both positive and negative, because again, we're, as much as all of us think that we're perfect, we're not. All of us have things that we can do better. But but you're, you're doubling those things, man. So you're doing the assessment piece and then you're thinking about the collaborative piece directly to do that. I think that's huge. That's something that all of our listeners should, should think about how they could come up with iterating their own part of that in their own business. So I love that. Um, I want to ask you another question, sir. So love the composition of your full-time and then your, your contracting. I think the whole world knows, especially with the, with what all of us are going through with COVID-19, lots of companies are super, super interested in having an appropriate blend now. Cause here's the reality. We don't know what's going to happen next month. We don't know what's going to happen next quarter. And frankly, we don't even know what's going to happen next year, right? As far as all the things that we keep hearing in the news, every single solitary day. And 
now more than ever, I don't know you know if you you guys are seeing this in your end, but like there is a tremendous amount of uh, open appetite for contracting. And uh, the one thing that you said with the fifty contractors, I'd love to know is there some of the things that you sort of do as far as managing the team across the full time of the contract? Do does everybody get sort of um, managed and communicated at the same time? Is there a different strategy for the folks that are full time that are there with you every day versus the folks that you only need to ping or poke when you have certain projects? Can you chat a little bit about what that looks like in terms of the blend between uh, managing the different folks that are contributing to to your day to day? Sure. So the the core team members, right? Your project manager, your your tech lead, uh, your sort of direct engineers are always going to be um, you know in house folks. We're, we're never going to move that that piece to an outside contractor, right? Because we don't want to put any, anything between us and our customer and yep. anything between the success uh, that our customers need to have and our ability to deliver on that, right? So um, in, the, in cases where there's, you know, something fundamental, we just can't do it. We're just say, hey, you know, work directly with this contractor um, yep. uh, in most cases. Now, in terms of driving the uh, sort of uh, communication, driving the clarity for all team members, we do a number of things. Uh, One of the first things is we, let's just start with the project managers. The project managers, there's an internal daily standup. So every Monday uh, we have basically an all company meeting with the executives plus project managers. Uh, Sales is briefly there and then we kick them out of the room. Um, just because they, they can get back to they get, get back to selling. They're the rowdy crowd. They're the rowdy crowd. The bunch. Right, right. So we make them speak first and then leave. And then, um, so uh, you know, we we're we're at that at the first meeting on Monday. We go through every single project. Uh, you know, talk about what needs and blockers are. Talk about resource planning. Talk about any complications we have and uh, and other things. And then um, every day, you know, Tuesday through Friday, we have an internal stand up with just the project managers uh, and often myself, where we we go through every single project, we talk about uh, what the the goal is for that week. And we gauge, you know, is the the sprint team gonna hit that goal for that week? Is there something that's coming up that's a blocker on our side, blocker on their side? You know, do you have resources that are sick or, you know, is there anything that we need to do to sort of triangulate on solving that person's problem? Um, and anything we need to communicate to the client. So we, we, we in those meetings, immediately after the meeting is done, uh, because we're creating a, like a to-do list, we're communicating out to any third party, hey, here's some information you need to be successful or communicating to the client, hey, here's some information we need to be successful. Um, we, we try to follow grandma's rule where we take care of the uncomfortable things as quickly as possible and then deal with the fun stuff later and everybody's life is easier. And then, that's just on the project management side. And then each individual project manager is paired with a senior tech lead. So that's somebody eight to 15 years experience in a technology stack. Um, typically, uh, you know, they're, they've got a discipline across multiple things, but each project manager meets with that tech lead and the team for that client. Uh, our en- engineers are fully dedicated to their client projects. So uh, engineers are not on multiple projects unless it's an internal project. Um, but the, the tech lead and the project managers typically are on multiple projects, you know, two to four projects is kind of the sweet spot. Um, and they take that information, the, the information with the team meeting, uh, and then carry it up to our project management meeting. Um, and then there's an additional sort of management meeting. We try to keep the management, the meetings to like 15 minutes. We basically say like, you know, the, the objective is 15 minutes. We're not here to sort of uh, not do work. And I think meetings are, Meetings are great places for people who 
have nothing to do to find something to do try to avoid that. So, <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. So, so uh, we do that. And then additionally, depending on our client's needs and this, this varies client to client uh, there, there's often a, an internal standup with the engineers, project manager, tech lead and the client uh, two to three times a week. Sometimes it's more frequent, sometimes it's less frequent, but we try to, we try to have a call two to three times a week. We also send a daily, uh, I mean, we're updating, we're updating Trello or Redmine or if somebody's in Jira or whatever they're in, uh, ClickUp, what have you. Um, we're, we're, we're updating those, you know, as we go, but we're also sending a daily status update to the client that details, look, here's all the work we're doing by engineer. You know, here's, here's blockers and needs we have. We may have already communicated this to you in a meeting, but um, we find that some, some folks need that extra communication. We need it, right? Yep. We need a way to go back and say, oh yeah, hey, we told the client this. Yep. No, I think that that's huge. And, and you and I both know that that open communication and that clear uh, view around what's being done can make a world of difference for, for, for clients. It's as simple as that. Now, Ian, you already jumped into a couple of these and this is a perfect segue for us. Let's hop into that second pillar um, of tools, right? So you mentioned a couple already. You mentioned Jira, you mentioned a few others. Can you can you spend a couple of minutes just kind of talking about, so you guys Number one, you're, you're, you're expert builders of tools, but you probably have a handful of tools that help to guide your day-to-day. Can you spend a couple minutes talking about the systems and tools that you guys use to run ZipTech and to work for your clients today? Sure. So it's, it's always changing, right? Because we're always, we're, we're testing things, we're uh, adjusting to our clients' needs. For project management, generally, we are technology agnostic. So uh, we work across Redmine, Jira, um, just regular sort of Trello type structure. Uh, we use ClickUp. Um, we have some other clients in some of their own custom systems that they've built. And the, the process is generally the same, right? So we're, we're creating tickets, we're defining user stories, we're detailing those user stories. We are then taking that information and breaking it into as few dependencies as possible. And then doling that out to engineers, right? So that, that process, while in different tools, is generally pretty universal. And um, our internal reporting sort of bubbles up to that because we're writing those daily status updates. Every yep. engineer every engineer is responsible for that status update. And that's really not going to change, right? It doesn't matter what system they're in. So that's, that's one thing. Another tool is, uh, like, one of the first things I did when I acquired the company was like, hey, look, Slack and these other tools are stupid helpful, especially when you have a large org. Everybody needs to be able to talk to everybody instantly. Yep. Yep. Um, so uh, we were first on um, uh, uh, we're the North American Development Partner for Rocket Chat, which is an open source sort of Slack alternative. Okay. But we're, because uh, Google has come out with Google Hangouts, um, we've reduced some of our server spend and moved over to sort of the Google Chat app uh, just recently. Yep. Yep. Uh, so that's that's one example. We have. A, a CRM. So we were initially using uh, Salesforce. We were using we were using a, a auto dialer. We were using um, Zoom. We were using what is this? Uh, you know, Constant Contact and Mailchimp. Yep. yep. Uh, and, and SendGrid. And the problem is, there's too many tools, right? We were, it's a lot. We're, it's a big toolkit. Yeah, it's a big toolkit. So we actually, uh, 2018, we started building our own tool, uh, our own CRM that really sort of met our needs. Uh, and actually met a lot of our clients' needs. And so awesome. Uh, awesome. Try, tryoncourse.com is uh, our CRM. It's, a, it's more of a sales automation product. But the reality is we built enough flexibility into it where I can, we can call from it, we can have meetings from it, we, can, we send our client communication through it. 
uh, for our daily daily email communications. Uh, we we it has task management. We do our tasks from that uh, for for internal purposes. We're tracking our opportunities pipelines. We're tracking you know our sales conversations. Uh, we're we're tracking deadlines for our clients in there. Uh, and uh, it, it also helps, you know, we track all our sales uh, communication metrics uh, and sales pipeline uh, with our sales team in there. So it's, it's one unified place where we can kind of do all that communication that we need to do uh, that doesn't need to occur in these other uh, tools. And we're continuing to sort of refine that with our, with our labs group. That's, that's huge, man. Talk about the, one of the benefits of uh, having your own cost, uh, custom software design company, right, sir? <laughs> right? right. That's huge. Right. But, but there's another thing that you just mentioned that I think is spot on, which is like, Ian, you and I both know, and many of our listeners know, companies spend a ton of time, a ton of money, and a, and a tremendous amount of energy just thinking about the integration piece of stitching together your given toolkit. And it sounds like you guys were able to take um, huge advantage of number one, being builders and being able to be in a position where you could actually do these things on your own. But second of all, it probably takes a lot of the pain and a lot of the, um, the effort out of some of the integration piece. It sounds like you have everything that you need in a, in, in a one full stop shop. That's awesome. Correct. Yeah. We're still adding to it. Right. So, um, you know, we, we want to, we're, we're working towards a structure where we automate some portion of the user story generation, for our clients and yep. make it a little bit more simple, a little bit more simple and streamlined. That's yep. probably going to be a, a slightly separate tool. Um, so we have a labs group. I'll tell you about a little bit about that. So our labs group is, we basically have dedicated, like we're going to spend somewhere between 10% of earnings and 10% of revenue on just R and D work, nice. right, internal things. Great. And again, we have this engin- engineering culture where, okay, well I have a marketing problem. How do I solve it with engineering? Yeah. I have a sales problem. Actually, can I solve it with engineering? Right. And, by doing that, we've sort of identified, hey, here's, here's basically some things that are repetitive tasks where if I had just a really simple tool, uh, first we started with, you know, kind of Google Forms that goes to a Google Sheet, which then yep. goes into other people's spreadsheets that they have access to. Yep. But obviously, we want to make that a little bit more elegant and then integrate with some other things. And so, um, you know, we're, we're taking this labs group and we're solving some of these kind of internal technical problems that we have as we grow, mature, and need to be more competitive um, and that team is, we do a couple things with that team. That team is the mechanism after somebody gets through our pretty rigorous inter- interview process, they can then get a put on my labs team. And I have them for six months at a minimum where they're going to be working on internal projects. And if they're not good enough, we're going to politely ask them to, you know, go find employment elsewhere. Yep. Uh, but they're also working to solve these complex problems in a real world environment. And, we're, we're putting them through their paces. They're probably working more hours than uh, most folks because they're coming up to speed. Yep. And, uh, but then also seeing like, how do I, how do I think through this problem? This client has this problem. How do I think through it? How would I, how would I break that down into fewer pieces? And then how do I deliver a solution that's both elegant, simple, uh, and then um, ultimately, you know, can, can last for a very long time. I think that that is awesome. I love the labs piece. I love the, also, I love the the notion of t- minimum 10% of, 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 of the time or of, of the money going to the R and D piece. Cause again, Ian, it's like, if you're not, if somebody in your business isn't taking time or given the ability and the autonomy to be able to begin building, thinking or iterating on tomorrow or better yet next month or better yet next quarter's uh, solution, that's going to literally bring the whole new wave of customer happiness and just, tremendous positive customer experiences, then you're already a little bit behind. So I love that you guys are doing that. 
the other thing is it sounds like much of what you were talking about too fits in perfectly with that third pillar of of process and workflows. It sounds like that that labs group is able to really begin to understand some of ZipTech's processes, understand some of the workflows, understand what some of the expectations are around being able to not only understand, but to be able to deliver on those processes and those workflows that are going to be able to make them an effective, um, you know, positive contributor to the business. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Um, how, just out of curiosity, where did you guys come up with the labs idea? Was that, was that, was that on your own or did you, ta- did you take or borrow this idea from another business or another company that was doing something similar? I love, I love how, how, how you were able to build it into the day to day of ZipTech. Right. So it was, it, you know, like, like many things, it was an, it was actually an idea that I had, but I probably subconsciously heard it from somewhere else. So, um, (laughs) that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. yeah, Who knows? (laughs) Uh, but basically we needed a training ground for our engineers that was closer to real, real world in terms of the the new hires that we're bringing in. Okay. Like, we're like, look, we don't want to put our uh, trainees, even though these guys have, you know, typically two to four years experience on the, the, the junior side when we're bringing them in, yep. um, you know, they may have that experience, but we, we got to make sure that they're up to our standard. We had this guy, uh, 17 years of experience that we hired as a, uh, one of our sort of internal ops guys. And he's like, you know, I, I really didn't know what good meant until I worked with you guys because you just like, nothing was good enough for the first six months. And I just felt like I was getting, I was getting kicked in the kicked in the groin, like, uh, and and it's like, well, yeah, that's that's right. We want we want everybody to get up to our 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 pace. We knew that. So I also read somewhere that look, human beings are incredibly incredibly capable of adapting to extreme workloads. It, it's hard at first, but if you get up to a certain pace, you can typically maintain that pace. It's like getting in shape when you're running. Exactly. Right? Yep. The first two weeks is gonna suck. It's just gonna be awful. Well, for us, it's a couple of months, but, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but then once you're there, you know, you're disproportionately effective. We have, you know, our, uh, the, the challenge we have is that our employees get picked off by uh, good companies, right? So we have people go to Goldman, we have people go to IBM, we have people nice, go to, nice. uh, you know, McKinsey. And it's just, um, so we're, we're training good folks uh, and we're, we're paying them very well. Um, and uh, oftentimes, you know, when they're a little younger, they, like to go explore in their career and then kind of come back and, and these sorts of things. So, um, but it's rigorous and it has yep. to be rigorous. And so I read actually later going back to sort of where the idea came from. I read later the book, uh, how Google works. And that's apparently something they do. It's a, it's a read, great book. Read, it's a great book. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they spend, you know, a portion of their R and D on that, uh, the portion of their, their time and a portion of their, their budget intentionally innovating. Um, and I think they probably borrowed that from 3M, uh, who has long had a practice of, you know, sort of 10 to 15% of time is spent towards innovation and R&D. Uh, and the 3M has been around forever. Um, and they do far more than just post-it notes, right? Um, they've gone, built technologies for prospective markets, like moving fine art, for example. They figured out a way to do that really efficiently, really safely. Um, and they just kind of came up with that because of R and D efforts. And so, um, there's many, there's many companies that do it, especially these, these great engineering cultures of which we desire to be one. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, we, we've, we've emulated them, uh, although maybe not as intentionally as, uh, many folks, uh, have, but, um, you know, we're, we're continually improving on a process that works for us. That's awesome. And you're right. I love that you brought up the Google piece, right? Cause it's like, 
and frankly, you know, you know, not all, not all companies have the ability to, 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 to be really good at this piece, but you're right. When you think about the Google example, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like some of the, some of their most popular products of all time were built giving employees their, their, their 10 or 15% time rule, right? Like I, I'm pretty sure maps and um, different, uh, different parts of Google cloud, YouTube, parts of YouTube. There were some tremendous things built when people had their one day a week to think outside the box, to think creatively, to, to not have to worry about maybe some of the other day-to-day granular issues that you got to constantly engineer or solve or design. And there's something really powerful about that. I think the other thing too, when you talk about talent acquisition and how do you keep some of the best people around for the longest periods of time, you got to give them a little bit of time to, to be able to do the things that they're passionate about. And you got to give them a little bit of time to think about some of the things that, that just literally fires them up, right? If you're going to get fired up on something, you're going to do it really, really well most times. So I think that those are some great points. I'd love to, I'd love to spend a couple minutes picking your brain on, on the fourth CX pillar of feedback. So software is an interesting one, right? Because when you're building custom software and you're building different tools and you're helping people with all these different things that, that you, you do over at ZipTech, how do you guys actually, let me split this into two camps. Let's, can you spend a couple of minutes talking about how you collect the, the customer feedback piece? You mentioned some of the, the live visibility points. That's awesome. You probably get daily comments on those, but I'd love for you to spend a couple of minutes on the customer feedback. And then I'd love for you to spend a couple of minutes on how you get your actual engineer and designer feedback. Yeah, so on the, you know, we, we follow that sort of three, internally, we follow those sort of internal 360 feedback. The meetings that I described previously, we have an open forum and then we just kind of have HR uh, kind of track those things and the senior team members track those things in, in a spreadsheet, right? Obviously only certain people have access to the spreadsheet, but we, we regularly communicate with the engineers, like here's where you stand. Um, we don't believe in this whole, you know, wait till the year ends and, um, uh, you know, then we'll see how you're doing from a performance standpoint. We, is, we that, wanna, is that done in a quantified way or a, quali- a qualitative way? Like how, how do you sort of let them know where they're standing this month right now? Yeah. So it's, it, we, it's both, both is the, the answer. We have a, uh, like a, a weighted system as yep. it relates to, you know, code output and, uh, you know, basically how, how much stuff gets kicked back, Got kicked back to dev, uh, or Q, QC'd. I mean, like 90% of the time, all those data points can be captured and reviewed. Yep. Um, and then there's of course a subjective element, right? So communication is really important. It's probably the most important thing that we do in our business. Um, there is, uh, you know, like, Hey, did you, were you dependable? Right. Yep. Yep. Did you get, did you say you're going to do something and then did you do it? Right. Yep. Um, so we have a couple of qualitative factors and then we, we track those and we just, we just share it with that individual. Um, uh, speaking of tools, we're working on an HR portal to make it so that we can get out of spreadsheets a little bit for that. Nice. Uh, but, but we are using spreadsheets and we've been doing that for a couple of years and it's, it's perfectly acceptable to, to be in spreadsheets for, um, tracking those things. So we have, we have probably like, you know, 20 or so data points that are uh, hard data. And then we probably try to keep it to about five data points that are sort of soft skills uh, and, and somewhat open to interpretation. Um, and then we have a couple of people sort of peer review that and, and provide that information. Does that, does that answer your question? Absolutely. No, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And then in terms of like on the customer side, do you guys, um, is there, how do you get like a basic sense for what the customer side is thinking? Do you, do you utilize like an MPS, a customer satisfaction? Do you do more 
transactional scoring around sort of what people are thinking about the products or the tools or the integration projects that you're working on for them? How do you get some of that customer side feedback? Sure. So let me separate out the service side of the business with the application side of the business. So on the services side of the business, we really look at ourselves as partners with the clients that we're a part of. So as opposed to to doing a formal review with our clients, which is certainly something we can explore, but, but haven't really done, we really just try to have frank, open dialogue. Like you and I are just having a conversation, right? I don't have anything in front of me. Um, we, we really try to go to the clients and say, how are we doing? Yeah. What would you improve? What is your feedback? We'll take the good with the bad because we also, in, in any conversation, right, there's some stuff that maybe an unrealistic perspective that a client has where you have to say, look, look, Jim, look, Bob, you know, <laughs> you want this thing yesterday. Well, yeah. Tell you from all these other projects and the fact that we've been doing this for ten years, like that's just not realistic. Like I don't know, happen. I don't know. Yeah, it's not going to happen, right? So, you know, we we can let's focus on priority A, get priority A at the door. Um, but uh, you know, we 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 have to be realistic on both sides. Um, and, and so we, we take that more as a a little kind of uh, direct relationship approach on the services side. And you know, maybe that's actually not the best way to do things, um, but it works for our business. Uh, and, until it's not going to work. And so we think it's going to work for uh, at least maybe another year or two, and then we'll probably have to reevaluate. Now on the software application side, in terms of the public facing application that we have with this try on course tool, very different. We have the phone number for being able to call our support line as like publicly available. We, we borrowed from the Zappos playbook, right? <laughs> yeah, call, right. call, call our support line, talk to us. We want to hear from you. We're not trying to hide and make it difficult to go like six layers deep, you yep. know, start, start cursing into the chat tool and then somebody sort of chimes in and then you speak to a manager. We, we don't really have that. We don't really have the L1, L2 support. We have it go pretty much immediately to the engineers and the uh, we do have a, a support slash project management staff, but we try to blend those things tighter uh, also with sales. And so we, we just want folks to reach out to us um, and we'll, we'll take that, we, we track that um, by basically, hey, how many people have complained about this thing? Uh, we also have in the tool a, a way to submit feedback. Just first thing you, you do when you go in, it's in the top nav bar, boom, immediately submit feedback. That goes straight to the engineers. And so we track all that in our backlog. And if we see three or four things that are, um, you know, very similar in nature in terms of what people are reporting they're having issues with or complex we actually were far enough in the product cycle where we just disproportionately prioritize that and just try to get it out, right? So we had a client who, one of our larger clients, they reported, oh, I, you know, I really wish I could do this thing on mobile. It was really simple. And then four or five other clients reported, you know, I wish I could do this thing on mobile. And so we said, hey, like these guys have all sort of talking about the same thing, just in a little bit different way. We got a designer same day, drafted something up, Send it out to those people. Hey, what do you guys think about this? Got their feedback. Immediately sort of uh, short cycled what the priority was in terms of dev relative to backlog items and then have it on you know production in a week or two. So um, that, that's kind of the approach we take. We take that, we take that agile approach, um, but we also take the, the feedback approach of not necessarily co- actively collecting feedback, not actively uh, uh, prospectively reaching out to people for feedback because sometimes you get feedback you don't want by, but instead by making it incredibly easy to be accessible to your clients 
to have real conversations and uh, get their opinions. Because uh, I think sometimes uh, in the software development space, if you ask for feedback, you're going to get the feedback of the people who are just kind of the most bored and the most vocal, but you're not necessarily going to get things that are going to make your products better. Yep. Well said, sir. And, and, and you're right. And you got to always be listening to that. It sounds like you guys have done a phenomenal job of setting up um, a, a variety of different ways that you're, that, that you're always listening and, and trying to figure out how you can get better from that feedback. So that's awesome. So Ian, this is, this has been a pleasure, man. Before we start to wrap up the show, I'd love to make sure that I give you an opportunity to um, talk about any new upcoming features or highlights or things that you want to make sure that everybody knows about you and about ZipTech. And, 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 and lastly, make sure that you let us know where people can find more about you and more about ZipTech. Sure. So for ZipTech, you know, we're always looking for the next project to help people build uh, the digital future and build something that, you know, doesn't exist or solve a really complex engineering problem um, and provide, you know, our, our services and, and for, for anybody, we, d- we don't really have any minimums. Um, so if you're, if you're interested in learning more about our services there, you know, visit zibtech.com, www.zibtek.com. And then if you want to just email us, hello at zibtech.com, I see that and, and would respond. And so um, that's the best way to reach us. We put all of our resources in terms of like how we do project management, how we do scrum, how we do uh, ticketing, et cetera, within our blog, we make all that public. And so go check out our resources because we, we just make all that stuff. Um, just put it out there. It's, it's difficult to emulate. Um, it's, you know, you, you, it's one thing to sort of talk the talk. It's another thing to walk the walk. So we try to, yep. we try to, yep. we try to do both. And um, that's, that's us. And as it relates to OnCourse, check out tryoncourse.com. That's our sales automation product. And it is incredibly versatile and really, I think going to change the game for a lot of businesses and already has. That's huge. That's awesome. Well, look, Ian, it's been our absolute pleasure having you on the CX Chronicles podcast. It's always incredible to hear from all sorts of different types of customer-focused business leaders today. I, I love that we dove into all these great things, more on the tech and the, and, and the development side. And uh, just want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure, sir. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning in to customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website, and as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality and being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.